0: to another episode of the SD4L show. I'm Justin Thin. I'm here with Matt Sheehan. Let's go. Oh, look at that energy. How Let's you go. doing today, man? Let's
1: go. I am sensational, my man. Justin, how on earth are you doing over there? Because, hey, it's about time someone ask you how you are doing. How you doing over there, man?
0: This is not doing the okay? week, Matt, to ask me how I'm
1: doing, so I will skip past uh, that question. That was stupid on my part. That was really stupid on my part. That's right. Um, and, no, it's not anything personal, everyone. Like, it's, it's nothing <laughs> actually serious. It's just... JT roots for a god awful NFL team um that got uh, what, what was the score? 86 to 13 uh just you know, east out of the playoffs it's of the box
0: better than I thought it would be. I placed a five dollar I placed a five dollar <laughs> bet for them to lose thirty-four to thirty-four to thirteen. Okay. And um it was five dollars to win, I think like eleven thousand or something like that. Yeah, sure. Um, wasn't that bad. So I'm I'm uh kind of disappointed that they didn't really twist the knife. And but okay. oh well, what can you do? What can you
1: do? So you're doing okay then. Congratulations. You know what? Congrats on Monday's game. We'll we'll just leave it at that. Um, but hey, in teams that were green and white that actually uh, make people happy, let's talk Spartans, man. This is going to be a, a not fun the
0: Tulane Green Wave.
1: We can get to them later, I suppose. Okay. Right. Uh, we could give that a try. Yeah, maybe some North Texas uh, yeah, talk to slap, here in a little bit.
0: For the eight minute mark.
1: Yeah, if, if you don't mind. Thanks for doing yeah. that production right there. Um, yep. No, Justin, like, we have a full house of assistant coaches on the field. We're bringing the meat over, baby. Woo! Meat season. Mm-hmm. You got the one yeah. out on him, don't you?
0: Yes. Coach Meat, Demetris Martin, who uh, played at Michigan State in the early 90s, was all Big Ten first team in 94. Um, had seven interceptions, which is, I think, the third highest mark in a single season in MSU history. He's back, coming over here from Oregon. He was the pass game coordinator and the defensive backs coach for the Ducks, cornerbacks coach specifically. And he had a very successful 15-year career as ADB coach all around the Pac-12, was at UCLA for six years. Uh, The final three years of that, he had an associate head coach title. Um, He has landed 28 four-star recruits as a primary recruiter uh, at the very least. Uh, that's not a foolproof method of tracking that because a lot of 24-7 profiles, don't list a primary recruiter for some kids that commit. But um, gotcha. 28, at the very least, is a really good number. Um, put guys in the NFL, obviously Christian Gonzalez, coached him at both Colorado and Oregon. Darnay Holmes, who's on the Giants right now, is a third-round pick. Um, other guys as well, but um, Desmond Trufant way back early in the days. And then um, also guys at other positions that he didn't actually like develop, but he recruited um, – Kind of like a, a five-star in Jalen Phillips, who had a great season with the Dolphins this past year. He he recruited him to UCLA and a few other guys outside of his position group as well. Kenny Clark, defensive tackle at UCLA, who's doing really well for the well for the Packers right now. Um, another Pro Bowler there. So, guy knows talent. Guy lands talent. Um, he hasn't like his NFL track record itself isn't massive. Like other than those guys I named, I think there might be like two or three other guys but a lot of that is he kept seeing himself get promoted like after two years everywhere he went um and um well i guess not promoted but like going from in arizona to a ucla yeah um right. and then like after six years of good run at ucla like then kind of you know then a new staff they entertained him so then he goes to colorado then he gets promoted from there two years later to oregon and christian gonzalez he he had in that in that kind of stretch of his career so but you kind of get the point so he's not there long enough really anywhere but he's also moving up places it's not just he's looking to leave anywhere to to get out so makes sense there but most importantly the units perform well um and he can recruit well so if the nfl laundry list isn't looking like a bt jordan client list so be it but he's a guy that that kind of produces results so looking at some of the on-field success uh throughout his times here like in 2015 uh, UCLA had the seventh best na- pa- best passing defense in the nation, created a pass efficiency, 22nd in the inter- in interceptions with 15. Um, those were second and third best marks in the Pac-12 that year. They only gave up 12 passing touchdowns on the year, which was the lowest in the Pac-12. Um, the following year, they led the Pac-12 in pass defense, allowing the fewest yards per game, lowest average yards per pass attempt uh, of any school. Uh, then in, they also led the NFL, or sorry, they led the NCAA in eight, they were 18th in nationally in past efficiency, led the PAC 12. Sorry, completely messed up that sentence no, there. Fine. And then the year after that, he had four all pack 12 or sorry, at the stretch after that at Colorado, they had four, uh, all pack 12 honorees. As you can see, left eye definitely needs some context there, but didn't want to no, see fine. And You're thriving. Come on. Essentially, everyone got the gist there that the units as a whole perform well. Pass efficiency is always a metric that stands out. Um, they always are are highly ranked in yards per pass. Um, so a lot of the times, like even like some of those UCLA defenses that might have had like the Jalen Phillips and had a good run defense, they might throw against them a lot. So maybe passing yardage yeah. per game might have been closer to the 300s. The pass yards per play are kind of the <clears throat> more crucial thing there, but. Matt, what do you think about this hire, just looking at it on paper?
1: I like it. I look at it from, like, the whole macro level, too, of just how they rostered all 10 coaches here. And they didn't just put one that was specific for special teams coordinator. I do – and I know I'm going away from the coach meet here, but I do like that they did two co-special teams coordinators, both guys with a little bit of experience in their past. It's not like they just, you know, threw it to some random guy that has never coached special teams before and said – I guess you're the special teams coordinator now. Like, no, both Will and Banafa do have special teams coordinator experience in their past. And I do like just throwing two secondary guys on the same staff. Now, is that because, like many state fans, I've almost bashed my head clean through the drywall watching some secondary play Mm -hmm. here in recent years. And the more coaches for that group, the better. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. But also, uh, cornerback and safety is different enough of a position to merit their own assistant coaches. And when you get a guy like Coach Meet with, like you said, over a decade of great experience, both on the recruiting trail and producing guys to all-conference-level talent. Yeah, how can we say no to right. that? Um, I, I do have a question for you, and I'm going to put you on the hot seat here. I'm going to mm-hmm. s- just try to squeeze as much juice out of this insider orange that I can. Obviously, he's an alum of Michigan State. You know, when Michigan yeah. State comes calling, that makes it a little appealing. Hey, 517 area code, I'm familiar with that. All right, let's go back home. But it's not like Oregon is just some downtrodden program that right. is on the downfall. Like, that is a program on the rise. Like, that is a strong place to be. Do you know how hard it was to pull him away from the Ducks program? Was it yes. as easy as, like, hey, come home, or was it a little challenging?
0: Yeah, so that's kind of why this took so long, because it wasn't necessarily easy. But at the same time, Oregon wasn't okay. going ahead and telling him, hey, if you stay – um, we'll make sure that you kind of get a look as a defensive coordinator here in the next season or two. Like they weren't throwing gotcha. the kitchen sink at him, but this was not even like kind of one of those things where like a Travaris Tillman going to Georgia tech a few years ago, right? Like where right. everyone knew, like he kind of, that was like the nice way of firing him. So yeah. because of that, like landing in Oregon wanted to keep him without having to do anything drastic and, and kind of give him the King's ransom. But at the same time, like, he has wanted to come to Michigan state for a very long time. Um, gotcha. I believe I wasn't covering the team back back then, but I was told that even back in 2018, when coach D'Antonio hired Paul Haynes um, at that point, uh, coach uh, meat wanted to come over to East Lansing and then, During the Tucker era, he as well wanted to come. So I don't know if right now it's the fact that like he's continued to prove himself and he was good enough for Oregon, so he should be good enough for Michigan State. If that's the dynamic of why he finally got the call, or if it was just Coach Smith was on the West Coast all these years and he's known about him and he's been wanting to hire him ever since he got to a program good enough where he could poach him. So I don't know which of those two sides of the coin it is, but either way, he's finally kind of gotten his wish, which is what helped Michigan State go ahead and poach him. If he wasn't an MSU alum and let's say he had no allegiance to MSU. He probably isn't leaving Oregon to come to MSU, Mm -hmm. but that's what, that's why you take advantage of kind of who your program is, the the alumni factor, and and you kind of use your network and that's why you kind of try to go ahead and make those moves.
1: Overall, I'm feeling good about all 10 assistant coaches too. And I Mm -hmm. I say that knowing full well, like you really have to go out of your way to hire an assistant coach and have the fan base without even playing a game. Be like, Oh my God, horrible hire. Like, most of the times when you do hire an assistant coach, you can talk yourself into that right. being a really good hire. Some it's very easy, like Coach Mead, or others it's yeah. like, hey, like Chad Will. Okay, you just coordinated or co-coordinated one of the worst defenses in the Big Ten the last few years, but you can always say like, okay, well he's only an assistant coach. He has coordinator experience. He knows what it takes to be a big dog, but he's not going to be that role. And right. yes, he's familiar with Rossi. So I. Like, yeah. I don't know, I, I know I just sound like a Homer fan saying like, hey, great staff so far, but I, right. really, I mean, it, it's it's been a nice methodical hiring, Yeah, taking guys that he's familiar with from Oregon State, plugging them in, and then also going a little outside his comfort zone, because, well, I, outside his comfort zone is just the Midwest, and you do need some Midwest guys in your right. locker room to and, captain this thing.
0: And, and, and the way that I know that this hire was made also is refreshing in terms of a process standpoint, because... Okay. Um, he wanted Rossi to have the final choice and the final approval. Cause that's his side of the ball. And he wanted him to feel in control and empowered You're to Rossi hire again. who he wants there. But at the same time, he kind of went ahead and, and vouched for um, coach me. And he said, Hey, I've been out there. I've recruited against them. This is somebody you strongly should look at. It's going to be your decision. And they went ahead and they had interviewed several other guys. Um, I think Archie Collins at Pitt was another guy that they considered quite closely and at gotcha. the end, Smith kind of kind of put the choices out there, and he said, "Rossi, who do you want?" And they both they both seemed to be on the same page, and uh, Rossi agreed with with uh, Coach Smith that Coach Meat was who they wanted. So I think uh, it was kind of just refreshing that they were very very thorough, um, and they just came to the same conclusion. And it was Smith letting his DC hire who he wanted, and it just happened to be who Smith also wanted. So that was good. And then at the same time with with the Wilt hire, which yeah, we'll see. I'm in wait and see mode on that one for sure. Yeah, um, That was someone that Rossi had wanted for a long time. That one, Smith probably didn't have a lot of input. And that was more so of him just saying, hey, you want this guy. I trust you. This this can be your hire. So it was a yeah. lot of input and feedback and just a, a working together in a cohesive manner to assemble that defensive staff. And um, it was just, I don't know. I, I really liked the process. We'll see how it pans out. You can only like the process if the results are good for the most part, but yeah, um, I, I do like the process and honestly at the end of the day two years from now eight of these assistants are probably going to be very safe two of them whoever whatever two no I don't know yet but two mm-hmm. of them people are going to be saying oh these are two spots where they probably could upgrade you know we like 80% of the staff but these two they can get someone program. a little more dynamic so yeah. we're not they're not going to go 10 for 10 here and we're not going to be sitting here wow. singing the praises of everyone two years from now but right now on, on paper I, I, I like pretty much all these hires and th- there's like a lot of guys that have long-term track records on the West Coast that I Mm -hmm. hope they continue to leverage. While there's also a great chunk of focus on them trying to uh trying to focus on the Midwest and the East Coast. I know Rossi's gonna help them break into the East Coast. He's a pitch Pittsburgh Central Catholic alum. Um so they're definitely gonna hit that hard and Brian Wozniak and a lot and pretty much the whole staff is dedicated to hit the Midwest very, very hard in state. And then yeah, like I said, like when you have have a Keith Bonaparte and you have Um, a coach uh, leggy and you have coach M that recruiting advisors and high school coaches and trainers all up and down the West coast kind of view as the pinnacle of their position groups. You have to continue to leverage that. You have to still keep getting offensive kids from LA. You have to keep getting the Polynesian trenches, you know, and keep that culture and that mentality and open that pipeline back up. So I I think they're well, they're well-equipped to recruit nationally and I hope they continue to do that. I hope they don't hyper fix it in the Midwest. And um, I don't think they will, as we've seen from the no. offers they've set out recently.
1: Completely agree with that. Yeah, this is going to be a, a four-time zone uh, structure mm-hmm. when it comes to recruiting. Um, now, speaking of recruiting, and look, if, unless you have anything to add about the coaching staff, because I'm just going to flip the page don't to Don't believe so. There we go. Because we don't get a lot of weeks or moments in the full calendar year where things are like a little quiet in college football. And now that the 10th hire has been made... All right, the next thing is recruiting and transfer portal, but even that's kind of at a lull right now. Right. Except for one, FCS All-American offensive tackle that has Michigan roots, Luke Newman of Holy Cross. Now, JT, before we started recording, you had a little bit of a scoop here because it's been long said that, hey, he's going to be visiting in the near future. The near future, it's coming up. Hey, he's going to visit. Right. Have any hard dates on that, though, over there, JT?
0: Yeah. I checked in uh, with my colleague, Corey Robinson. He's been kind of all over this one as well. And I think some other sites might've might've touched on it in the past, but uh, tomorrow is the, or I guess this will probably be posted in the morning as we're recording here late at night on Wednesday. But so later today on Thursday, the 18th, uh, Luke Newman is coming back to coming back home. I guess I should say Bloomfield Hills. Brother rice is where he went to high school uh, before he went to Holy cross. So, It's going to be stepping foot back in the home state, which I guess I'm assuming is where he's been the last few weeks. Uh, But he's going to be visiting Michigan State officially. Um, He's going to be obviously someone they try to land on this visit. Uh, Left tackle type of the future. Um, Next two years, at least, I would say he has two years of eligibility. So those are probably the two years you would hope to have him here he is probably going to, if he commits, he's probably going to walk into the starting job at left tackle. And okay. then you're probably going to see Ethan Boyd or maybe even Brandon Baldwin, but probably definitely um, um, Ashton Lepo all battling for the right tackle spot. Now I could be wrong. And if, Hey, if, if Ashton Lepo wins that left tackle job or Brandon Baldwin takes another step and wins the left tackle job over Luke Newman and he's yeah. the backup, you'll take that, that that's kind of what you're hoping would happen. But right now, I would guess that he'd probably be your starting left tackle. Boyd would probably be the right tackle. Baldwin, the first guy off the bench. And Lepo, the guy that has the promising future that just has to wait one more year to probably finally finish his, his development to the point where he
1: starts yep. at the Big Ten level. Stacking depth, though. I mean, that that's just the, the name yeah. of the game. And we, we learned that lesson. As the years go on here, because, uh, hey, injuries happen in football. How about that? And, of course, it helps when guys push each other yeah. starting in spring practice. Now, Luke Newman, just like you said, Bluefield guy, I'm sure he grew up with some green and white in his house. Seems like that Michigan State could be in the lead for this. Is is that fair to assume, or are there any other schools that you right. know of that are kind of on the track here, too? He,
0: he did have a few other schools that he was going to look at, but I don't think he okay. ever scheduled any official visits there. Um, I will check to see if he has any visit plans once he leaves campus. Um, but as of right now, I don't think anything else is concretely locked in the the family and him probably just want to see if they want to close things out after this visit um, mm-hmm. or if they do want to continue the process. Um, and then we'll go from there because the thing is, is he wasn't going to enroll in this semester anyway. So okay. he has, he, he's going to be enrolling uh, before the summer semester, because uh, he wanted to finish his degree there in uh, this this semester here, so it's just going to be about whether or not he wraps it up or takes a few months. But either way, it's not he's not going to be able to enroll anytime soon.
1: Gotcha, and I do love that he's visiting. He he would not mm-hmm. miss. Dawson Garcia versus Malik Hall. For the world. He <laughs> wants to see that firsthand in the lower yeah. bullet Breslin center. Love it. That's the only recruiting thing that, that has really even crossed my mind. Of course, you could speculate on, you know, a bunch of transfer portal names, but right. I, I feel like MSU isn't necessarily hot after any at this very moment. Are you going right. to prove me wrong or, or what?
0: There's, yeah, no, nothing in the portal, but MSU offered a 2024 receiver in Texas a couple hours yeah. ago, Jalen Brown. Um, I personally haven't watched this tape, but Corey okay. and and Alan True were talking about it in, in our chat here, and seems like the consensus is that he's raw but very very high ceiling. So to me, like kind of goes back to that Jeremiah Smith mold, Texas receiver playing against high competition with a high ceiling, yeah, but right. maybe maybe right now the tape hasn't hasn't come together. But I'll still always contend, no matter what happens. Like Jeremiah Smith could transfer tomorrow and not not produce a single stat in college. I will still always go to bat and say that he was severely underrated in high school because his tape was better than so many receivers I saw that were graded as an 88 and 89 and 90 that did it against gotcha. worse competition. Um, but anyway, that's a tangent, but yeah, so we'll see what happens here if if uh, Jalen Brown takes this visit up here and uh, if they push hard for him, but whether it's a 2024 offer and it's coming in mid January and signing this two weeks away, I would assume he's right. not just going to fall by the wayside. Um, but I will watch the tape myself, too, and I'll go ahead and post on the site tomorrow what I think. But that seemed to be the quick read from those guys over there for sure.
1: Damn. Love it. Do we uh, close the chapter on football for this show and move on to the basketball court? or Let us close this chapter, man. <sighs> and we might talk fell at the end. I don't know. We, we like to get a, a completely off track here at the end of these shows. But we're going to stay on track.
0: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it?
1: because Michigan State, they have, no, the, the deep sigh is not necessarily for this Minnesota game where they're probably going to be favored by right. about 13 points. It, it's for the stretch ahead, and after right. the Rutgers game, Tom Izzo said himself, and I'm sure a lot of other State fans have said this too, but this team is due for a run. You can see the bones mm-hmm. of what makes this team capable of a run, whether it's how they're playing or right, even against Northwestern Illinois games, by and large, I think they played a pretty solid game. They just ran into yes. teams that were playing A-plus games almost. It wasn't yeah. a perfect game for either. But, like, you ran into teams that were playing, like, nine out of ten games where you were just playing at, like, a seven-and-a-half. Right. But, hey, if you could kick it up a notch and play as offensively sound as you did against a really good defensive team like Rutgers, mm-hmm. who's to say you can't do it the rest of the season. Now, the second reason why they're due for a run, JT, I, I mean – The the, the computers and Vegas will probably like what is in Michigan State's future here. They're only going to be underdogs, as things stand right now, in two games. Wisconsin they are going to be underdogs by about two points. And then Purdue, forget about it. They'll be underdogs by about ten points in that one, say the computers. But, hey, for the Mm -hmm. next 11 games, not only is Michigan State favored in most of them, they're favored by at least six points in seven of those games. And six points in college basketball. That, that, that's a, that's a pretty healthy spread to say the least. Right. So that's why the lawn exaggerated side JT, because Hey, this team's due for a run, but my God, I just, if you do lose a handful of these games moving forward, these are the kind of games that don't impress the committee if you win them. But if you lose those, uh Oh, <laughs> uh Oh, yeah. but you know what? I actually have a question. How are we going to set this up here, JT? That This is called uh, professional podcasting. Coming up with a question on the fly to set a table. Yes. Or topic. Is this team closer? This is how we're going to start this. Is this team closer to missing the tournament or becoming a Final Four caliber team?
0: Mm. I know. You know, this is this is tricky
1: because it is. I think they're a yeah. Sweet
0: 16 team.
1: You know what? And if you because if you said no, I was going to start moving back. I was like, all right, Elite Eight team, Sweet Sixteen. So <laughs> we just cut to the chase there. So Sweet Sixteen is kind of where you cut yeah, off. Yeah, it's yet. like
0: right okay. in the middle, though, of like. Yeah. I, I guess like it's not the middle because the first round is not well, sure, missing yeah. it, but like you know, like the the middle stage of the bracket. So like totally. they're not a Final Four team, but they're yeah, I don't know. I, I think I don't think they missed the tournament, mm-hmm. um, but I, I Final Four seems seems far fetched right now. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's like, all you need is you like your 50 or senior to play more consistently, your point guard to lock in who can drive on most people that guard him. But a lot of times just doesn't kind of like a Ben Simmons kind of thing where people said like, Oh, his issues that he can't shoot threes. I would always contend that was the least of his issues. He could Mm -hmm. have driven on anybody and everyone that guarded him, except maybe four people in the league. And he just never, never chose to, um, and then like, that's kind of, kind of the vibe I get from AJ is like, when you see him drive like three, four times in a, in a game, like, sure. He had those first half layups missed against Illinois. Right. But like he can get past almost yep. anybody and he doesn't have a lot of those games where he's just missing layups. So if he takes charge, if, if Tyson isn't passive coming out of the gate, if like your, your fifth year guy just simply is assertive and doesn't kind of get pushed to the side just from two bad shots. Um, and the bigs just come in and are active, like they're not gonna lead the way, but just get your hand on every ball that goes up and, and and that's it. Like, give your max effort. They can easily pull it together and maybe make a final four, but it's just you haven't seen all those pieces come together for a two week stretch all season. Um, maybe you've seen it for exactly two weeks after that Baylor game up until Northwestern, but you know what I mean? Like, there was no, yeah, no game cool. outside of the state of Michigan, so like. Eventually, you have to see it happen in order to say that it's going to happen in March, but it's not that far-fetched, I guess. I I shouldn't have said it's far-fetched to see a Final Four. It would just require a culmination of things that has not come together yet.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean both are far fetched in my opinion. Missing the tournament right. seems far fetched. I know there's a lot of alarmists, and believe me, guys, like I'm, I'm not the the happiest peach on the tree after they lose these road games. Like I, right. I, I'm pretty emotional after these games. But as you sit down and look at it from like a, a macro level, and I know that there are some bracketologists that have Michigan State as their first four out. That, that's just as things stand right now. Like if right, the tournament right. tipped off on January 18th, like yeah, they would be really close to missing the tournament. But with everything they have in the future. If you look in the future, like, there are some sites out there where you can plug in some things, see what the future holds. And if things go the way they're supposed to go, they could be up to a five or six seed. Right. Again, like, a, a, a file Four is still far-fetched, but I think so is tournament right now. Right. I will knock on wood. I don't want to jinx anything here. I don't want to yeah. see them lose to Minnesota tomorrow night after I just said all that. But it's not the season that we all expected so far, but, like, I, I don't think those losses on the road are going to right. cripple this team because they're, hey – I know that this is the most ridiculous thing to talk about and, like, have a smile on my face when I talk about it, but they're good losses. They're they're, they're, they're quad one losses for the most part. Like, it's nothing that That, the committee is going to look at and be like, ah, trash. (laughs) Right.
0: That's what makes it so kind of frustrating to the point where, like, you can't even, like, be mad at the team or just, like, kind of throw a fit and be like, oh, I'm out on this team because, like –
1: Sure. I can. First of all,
0: like we don't come crawling back, but yeah. Like, yeah. Like, you know, like watch every game either way, even if we said that, so it doesn't matter. But like, sure. My point is, is like, there's no loss that you just sit there and you're like, you know what? I don't think they have it in them. It's just not that year. Maybe next year, like you're not fully pulled out of it from anything Mm -hmm. we see, but also they haven't gotten over that hump and and then said, all right, they can win those close games. So, like, you're yep. kind of caught in the middle of you're definitely not out on this team just because they haven't really had an ugly loss. Like, Nebraska, like, they've based I mean, tonight I know they, they had that injury. Yeah. I don't know. No. But, like, you know, like, they haven't had a bad, like, Wisconsin. They've gone on a run up until they lost to Penn State yep. last night. Of and, course. Like, I don't know. I just, I don't think that there's really anything to be embarrassed about in anything that's gone on this season. It's just they've had too many of those losses that they could have won. That's really all it comes yep. down to. Um yeah. and and honestly like Maryland um two games from now here on on Sunday at noon that kind of scares me um oh, terrifies me yeah. right like like I I think they pull it out against Minnesota um here tomorrow or I guess tonight when people watch this but like mm-hmm. reading Maryland's results since December started when at Penn State. Uh, win, at, win versus Alcorn. Win versus Nichols State, whatever. Win at UCLA by nine. Win versus Coppin State. Lost to Purdue, who's number one at the time. Yeah. Lost to Minnesota by three. Win at Michigan. Win at number 10, Illinois. And then right now they're tied 45 45 with Northwestern in Chicago. So yeah. in Evanston, I should say. But you are looking at a team that's only two losses since December started is number one, Purdue and by three to Minnesota. Um, so like, again, is it a team Michigan state should be? Yes. But again, is it a team that's horrible? No. So
1: right.
0: I don't know. It's, it's on the
1: road, of course. Right. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's all I want to see on this stretch here. It's not necessarily yeah. like, Oh, I want to see blank from this player or oh, I want to see this stat after this amount of games. Like, Oh, no. it's just a very elementary thought that I have of what I want to see here in a little bit road wins against just like teams with a pulse, you know, like that Maryland game. And then you beat Wisconsin and Madison. Okay. It's obviously going to change really how I view this team, but yeah. Or even just that, that road game at Minnesota here a little bit, I like just get some road wins in any, any possible way, please. The
0: most, the most Michigan state, 2023, 2024 thing that could happen is they, Oh, God. Beat Minnesota, and then they lose to Maryland, and then they come out and they beat top 15 Wisconsin the very next game. Like, that would be the most
1: this year's Michigan State team thing that that could happen. That is such a great question. And, and like, this even goes beyond just like this year. Like, just what is the Michigan State that we've known? Even when MSU was like really good, like even in 2019, they had that little three game skid. Like, yeah, it's it's smashing Minnesota with a meat cleaver uh, on Thursday night. It's going into two you know what, just like a great win, like just a no-doubter, like it's already a two-point game. (laughs) Yes, it is. Izzo's flirting with a double-double here, like that's (laughs) how much of a beatdown it is. Like something crazy against Minnesota. And then Maryland, you eke out a two-point win on the road. You beat Wisconsin in overtime in Madison. You bludgeon Michigan at the end of the month, and you're feeling spicy about this team and then you lose by sixteen at Minnesota, like that. That like that yeah. to me is just like as MSU as it could possibly get. Here is just yeah. like, oh, really, really get us at a fever pitch of fully believing, have everyone booking flights to Phoenix, and then have Dawson Garcia go for a smooth like twenty seven and eighteen uh, at the barn over there on a snowy, snowy Tuesday night in uh, in Minneapolis. That's that's just that that would be the Michigan State that we. What,
0: know at least. What's here's kind of what. I'm just gonna say these predictions so I can cut this up and post it if it happens. Yeah, that's like, a great idea. Okay. The running through pretty much the whole slate sitting mm-hmm. here today on January 17th. The way that would be the most like Michigan State 2023, 20, 24 type of way for this to go uh-huh. is kind of a win versus Minnesota tomorrow. Like that one we kind of like agree on is it needs to happen, should happen. Yeah. And a loss at Maryland. And then an upset win at Wisconsin, okay, okay. a blowout win against Michigan, you're just sky high, just, just absolutely mm-hmm. sky high. And then you add a revenge win against Maryland, and the vibes are just the best they've been since like a couple of days after the Baylor game. And then, okay. as you were saying, like a 14-point loss to Minnesota. <laughs> then, Matt, right away, the roller coaster goes up as they get a revenge win against Top 15 Illinois the very next game. But then they go at Penn State and they have to go to overtime mm. to win by three, and yeah. then you're kind of okay. It's shaky. <laughs> it's shaky. Then the next game at Michigan and you're gonna have I'll say it. it's I'll gonna be say a home it. game for for Doug McDaniel, so he's eligible to play this one. That's um, true. And <laughs> and and I wouldn't surprise if he goes for twenty and Kamwa goes for twenty seven, and suddenly there's a loss there. And uh-huh. then you're looking at the traditional Izzo Jawan one and one split as they're accustomed to every year, no matter how good and bad each team is. And then finally, Matt, you go ahead and you win the Iowa game, you win the Ohio State game, and then it's a signature Mackey Road loss. Then you're looking at a revenge win against Northwestern. You're thinking, okay, the last we've won three of the last four games. Then you go at Indiana, and you have a chance to clinch a double bye, and they lose that game heading into
1: Indianapolis or okay, Milwaukee on.
0: this year, wherever the big time tournament is.
1: Uh, It's in Minneapolis, I think for some okay, reason. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Minneapolis. Yep. I could be wrong. Hold on. Oh, I'm right. almost done. I'm on bartorwick.com. I plugged <laughs> in every, and let's, let's say they go two and one in the conference tournament. I just plugged okay. in wins for everything. You just said, Win a loss for everything you said is a loss. And do you <laughs> know what seed that would spit out if you were to do everything Eight? that you just said? Eight. The 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 computers like it a lot more than eight. JT, they like it a lot more than eight. Six. Bartorik says the first. They say they're the first five seed if it goes according to plan with everything you just said. So that's what we're looking at here now. Again, again, like this is computers and this is all just kind of looking in the future. But yeah, yeah, I mean, just if you start right now today and you finish with I got five losses the the at Maryland at Minnesota at Michigan at yeah. Purdue and at Indiana five seed you know what so yeah I mean that again will it actually happen no probably you are probably closer to it like being like a seven seed right there because what would the record be at the end of the year after yeah that that's, that's that's oh, why 21 I said and 13 feet. 21 13 mm-hmm. at 11 and nine in conference play but it's like again hey it comes back to the losses though like yeah. those are on the road yeah it's gonna be quad one loss like JT we're really effing good. At yeah, losing really good games. So yeah. there, there, there's a there's a secret in that sauce there that, yeah. that is getting Michigan State uh, on the healthy side of that bubble. Yeah, line,
0: you so. know, you putting those those results in because I firmly believe a lot of those can happen. Maybe not all of them. Oh, I was absolutely, to spin oh, absolutely it could happen. Yeah, yeah but you putting definitely. those in has provided comfort probably for some Michigan State fans that are kind of hearing those yeah. results and like, yep can definitely see them losing the last game to indiana for no reason even though they shouldn't and still having a favorable five seed. that possibly a five seed, as as you said so that's uh it's good yeah. to hear
1: and, and again this is just a, a computer like a human committee might think differently but still like you right. should be comfortably in the tournament at an 11 and 9 big 10 record yeah man. so that's kind of what i'm feeling there so Glad yeah i that. don't know I, no that, that was a fun little exercise there yeah. so yeah that's this is kind of why we want to leave things off of basketball. I think we're both feeling, um, yeah, confident not cocky about Minnesota, Maryland. I, I have circled with a big red sharpie. I almost care more about that game than I do the football game kicking off at three o'clock that day that mm-hmm. features my favorite NFL team. But like, I just JT, we need to see a road win. We need we need, <laughs> need to see a road win here. I mean, yeah. so that, that's the time to do it. Against yeah. Maryland.
0: yeah. So we talk about your favorite NFL team, Matt.
1: You know what? Sure. I'm still riding high. (laughs) Now, I I do want to be clear. Like, this is my fan hierarchy. It's Michigan State, first and foremost, above everything. Football and basketball, I can't pick between the two. Second place is Detroit Tigers. Third place (laughs) is Detroit Lions. And then it's a big gap. It's the Red Wings. And then it's an even bigger gap, so far that if you dug a hole from here to China, still wouldn't reach it. It's the Pistons after that. So, on my Mount Rushmore, the Lions fit squarely on the Mount Rushmore with Mm -hmm. Tigers and both Spartan teams. So, that's... That so makes I'm sense. the same page of where I'm at here as a fan, right? Yeah. So
0: last time we talked, Matt, I told you mm-hmm. that the winner of Lions Rams would go to the Super Bowl to represent the NFC, oh, God. and I feel pretty much exactly how I felt about that last time because I was very, very, very confident in my prediction. I told you okay. that the Cowboys would absolutely find a way to choke. Now I didn't yeah, think that I they would they would get embarrassed at Jerry World um, in the first yeah. round. I thought, hey, maybe Jordan Love can come in there and just just barely sneak out a win. And if not, that they will lose in the second round for sure. Um, but so that went pretty much as expected in terms of the fact that they're not a threat for the NFC crown. The yeah. 49ers, I, I, we haven't seen them play, but they have been the absolute definition of flipping the switch the wrong way in the playoffs the last several years in terms of play calling, game management approach. Kyle Shanahan would probably not even go for it on fourth and two inches from the 34 if you gave him the chance next week. There's going to be a probably. couple... In the NFC title game against the Lions, there's going to be a a couple plays where Aiden Hutchinson's being blocked by the second-best tight end on the 49ers, and Purdy's going to get his wrist snapped, and they're going to be on B-List podcast the entire offseason whining and crying (laughs) about it. And just the most mentally soft, weakest organization from top to bottom, all the way from John Lynch, all the way down to the... (laughs) Well, I can't say the long snapper because that's that's the ball pepper, boy. But, yeah. whoa, whoa, Taylor Packer catches a to the punter, Mitchell Wishnowski, You know, like they all, they all just have no grit. They're like the opposite of like any good team you've seen compete at the highest levels in championship yeah. environment. It is just to the point where, like, if if somehow some way um green bay can beat them it would be ideal for lions fans just because of the fact that you guys won't be seeing every single week a new clip about oh if this would have been different we would have beaten the lions and <laughs> they're gonna try to try to discount your victory over them for the next 8 to 12 months so yeah to save yourself from all the tweets that you'd be reading you just prefer the packers knock them out and that, hey, the Packers are not going to be any slouch if the Lions have to play. Oh, no, my
1: God. No, um, no, 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 no. <laughs>
0: yeah. No, no, but no. one thing I will say, though, is like all the credit to Jordan Love and the evaluation they've done. But LaFleur has those yeah. guys running wide open. Um, he does make some high, high level throws. Um, yeah. And there's a little bit of that with the Texans, too. Like Cedar Stroud makes some of the hardest oh, sure. throws you'll see. But Bobby Sloak has a lot of those guys running wide open, too. Um, but like let's see, let's let's find out what those guys are about. Um, I think I think either way the Lions beat whoever wins the Green Bay. And um, one thing I will say is whatever money that people have. Now, this is not financial advice, but whatever money you have, take it out, put it in FanDuel, and put every penny you have on Lions minus five and a half. The line moved to six or six and a half, definitely outline that down to five and a half. And I think that's gonna be my biggest single bet of the season. Um, Here, when I place that here in the next three weeks, but do not do it just because I said it. Because if you lose your house, I can't help you.
1: Yeah. No, you know, and that's interesting too because Tampa Bay is getting uh, the highest percentage of the bets between the two teams. They're getting 61% of the bets and 53% of the money, wow. which People is trends that I wow. love to find. I, I do love to follow that. I, I love to fade the public, obviously, because, you know, the old adage of, hey, Vegas ain't keeping their lights on because the public wins so much. Like, yeah, right. there's something to that. So no, I do like that. No, as far as talking lines, like you, just, I, I couldn't say more eloquently than you just did. Not not just with the <laughs> team, but also like what you have to look forward to in the future. But no, it's just a special season for the Lions, man. I right. like this is obviously that goes without saying it's history. It's decades of angst anger, feeling pissed off, and then it just all washes away like that against Matt Stafford. And that's what – right not to look across the box because, look, that's a really good team. C.J. Gardner-Johnson's comments about Baker Mayfield is going to probably unleash a 350-yard performance out of Baker Mayfield this Sunday, but mm-hmm. whatever. It, it, it would be the most – oh, God, just storybook way to slay your demons than beating Matt Stafford in round one and then the Packers in the NFC title game. like Could you Mm. even imagine that? That that would be out of control. But, no, it's just a really special team. I mean, obviously this uh, team means a lot to the city, and there is just something cool about the team where – and, look, I I love cocky players, especially ones that can back it up. No question. This isn't me just being like the old suburban white guy being like, oh, these (laughs) loudmouth players are ruining the league. Like, no, loudmouth players can be very fun, but there is something also special too about a team that just has no egos whatsoever on the team. Right. Like that is a locker room that is forged together. And I'm sorry to like, I'm, I swear, I'm not trying to be mean right now. Like not, not to bring it back to your eagles, but like you watch the eagles. That's a locker room that has fallen completely apart. Like it, it that game against the box was it, like everyone just competing with the person next to them to see who could have worse body language on the field. <laughs> like, the lines, like They truly all play for the guy next to them. They play for the city and it is just a special team, and just yeah, it's. I, yeah. I can't say enough nice things about them. It's it's, it's a special year, it, it, it yeah. makes me proud to be a Lions fan, like which is strange. I probably would have cried at the end of the game if I wasn't just in shock. And what I was <laughs> seeing on the screen, like I, I literally just could not. When I say I can't believe what I was seeing on the screen, like I quite literally could not believe that I was watching that. It felt like I was hallucinating watching Jared Goff take three knees to win a playoff game over the Rams. Oh my god, it was great. So sorry yeah. that that was so all over the place and so incoherent. Oh, no, um, that was very well said. I swear this is just Lacroix that I'm drinking, but like, <laughs> uh, like this team has just got me in a high that oh god that that a professional sports team hasn't had me feel since the Tigers made the World Series in 2012. Yeah. So yeah, man. Yeah.
0: yeah, enjoy it. We'll see what happens with Ben Johnson. We'll see what happens with Aaron Glenn. Okay. Um, the the one thing I was. Both. The one thing wow. I will tell Lions fans to learn from me is um, <laughs> last year at this exact time, um, I would even say four or five months ago, um, every single thing that I'm hearing about Dan Campbell is exactly what Philadelphia fans were saying about Nick Siriani. Don't do, and, this. Um, to do this. You don't have and, to do this. And don't and Cam- you do this. Uh, Campbell, Campbell is probably a million times better hire of OCs and DCs. And if he is, then everything is going to be good, and you guys should be good. But if not, so. um, only time will tell. But all I will say is enjoy it while it lasts. That was the reason I was going down this. That was the reason I was going down this oh. uh, this angle. Because, um, well, I'm sure you guys know with, like, the drought and all that, to not be, like, entitled totally. to, to not take it. Oh. That was one thing, like, when I was seeing the all the, like, the Lions reaction after the win, like, it was so good to see, like, that's what it should be about. Like if you like your team wins a playoff game, like you should be thrilled, and like that's there should be no other way around right, it. Like right. every yes. single time you win one of those, like it should just be pure joy. That's it. Whereas like it sounds like champagne problems, me saying it this way, but like uh-huh. now when when the Eagles like win a playoff game, like I calculated they've won seventeen in my lifetime, it doesn't oh bring me God. any joy. It doesn't bring me any joy. And then what ends up happening is if the season ends with anything less than a Super Bowl loss, the season's been a failure and it's not, it's like genuinely like not the right way to go about it. And it's, I don't know how to like not go about it that way. And it was like, so cool to see the lions just like you win a playoff game. You're happy. You don't care about what's next week. Obviously you do by the time Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday comes around. So like in that moment, you're not just saying, all right, whatever, cool. Can we win the Super Bowl? Otherwise, the season's irritatingly a failure. Like that was very yeah. cool to see. Like I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I'm going to be rooting for the Lions and like of become course, a yeah. fake fan just like while you guys are winning. I'm not really going to. But at the same time, it's it's Do so it. cool to just watch it from a yeah. distance and see how you guys are are just. It's pure. It's like pure fandom, pure joy, not polluted by like I don't know, just years and years of too high of
1: expectations. So it's, it's actually more mentally healthy to root for a team for three decades to never see a playoff <laughs> win. And then to finally see it. No. And then like, no, like you talking about, and I know that you are far from the only person, but a lot of people are joining the bandwagon, which like, please do. But this was like, and I like CJ Gardner. johnson I think is a, a fine player. He's a dandy player, but like, not just the Baker comments like, Lighting a fire under him, saying that the Bucks, hey, if they had a good quarterback, they'd be a really good team. Like CJ, bro. Like <laughs> as if Baker doesn't thrive with a chip on his shoulder. Anyway, but earlier in the season too, when they're doing the whole ski mask thing, because we're like the villains of the NFL. It's like we are, we are probably the most lovable team the <laughs> NFL has seen in yeah. the Super Bowl era, like yeah. in the last fifty some years. So I don't understand that because, like, yeah, we are just like the lovable team, and this is fun. And it's the only yeah. year it's going to be like that because if the Lions do do this again, they start winning some more. Oh, this this ain't cute anymore. We're we're not having the, the bandwagon overflow right now. So it's just it's nice not to only win but to have right. you know other people celebrate our success because right. holy hell, man, that was a that was yeah. a long drought, uh, JT. That was yeah. a long one. <laughs> hey, hey, it's
0: you guys have had one less, one fewer season mm-hmm. with postseason wins in the playoffs. Than Mike Tomlin in the last thirteen years, and Mike Tomlin has never wow. had a losing record yeah, since twenty ten. Tomlin had, has playoff oh, wins in man. two different
1: years. Next time you go to the Hertz rental car desk at an airport, like look at who's working behind the desk, and that's who. Like Mike Tomlin has to deal with at quarterback though. So, like he has, he is dragging these teams to the playoffs with yeah, absolute no one at quarterback. So like I don't know. I'm I'm a, I'm a yeah. Mike Tomlin apologist. I think he's like one of the best to ever. Do it. Yeah, because he is. of like, yeah, but yeah. Now, now we're getting way off track here. That, that, <laughs> yeah. that stat
0: of no losing records and however many years it's been, it might oh, be the most impressive stat amazing. in professional sports in the modern era. It's
1: amazing. It's am- yeah. especially considering like what he's had to deal with the quarterback position last like five, six years. Well, whenever Ben was in his twilight years at the Steelers, like barely right. completing eight yard passes. Like, the, the, it is amazing
0: the, the issue is though is that's that is also the reason he has to deal with those because he will not and ownership will not commit Correct. to a rebuild
1: Correct. um
0: so it's wildly impressive and it's also the cause of their downfall um it's, it's like all those years like when the pistons were like always very good at not was, being the bottom four team in the east but like also not a top four team. That. like yeah. that's like I mean, hey, the, the Sixers went all out with their tank, and they're probably never going to win a title either. So who's to say which one the right way was? But like, at least you got an MVP candidate out of it, making second yeah. round of the playoffs. Like, you got to do that if you're the Steelers, like at least once. Like, go get one quarterback, go four and twelve, just one time, and
1: it's not that bad. Get the
0: streak, get a good OC after you get that quarterback, and then Tomlin has another eight years left in him. But I don't know, <laughs> I don't, I don't, have, I don't agree with the the stuck in neutral mode in, in sports. Just tank
1: yeah it's equal parts very impressive what he's doing but also very detrimental to their organization like yeah that's what it is so yeah um, oh
0: one thing i do have to walk back i don't know if i actually ever said it on this podcast actually i think i might have just said it to you and a few others but the the thing about ohio state next year maybe being a team that you take the under on the wins on that is absolutely not going to be the case anymore that is that yeah. is absolutely not the case. I'm glad Vegas didn't put those out five or six weeks ago, like right after the season ended. It
1: saved um, a lot of people money. Yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. yes.
0: Because wow, those guys are they're going to be very good at every position except probably quarterback. And um, you can win that One way. Year too late. It's as long mm-hmm. as that's true. Very true. All those donors, they saw they saw Harbaugh and Michigan raise that trophy and said, "We're going to be paying every kid the same equivalent of a second round draft pick salary and bringing them all back," but. Too late. Yeah. Too late. That or that Oregon Ohio State matchup is going to be one for the ages. Just, just phenomenal ball. Just real hoops. Just going <laughs> to be real,
1: real hoops. What happened to the game I love? That's what happened. Oregon <laughs> versus Ohio State. That is college football as we yeah. know it. Oh, can't wait. Michigan State um, at least gets to
0: play both of them back to back this year. So you just <laughs> knock those two games out. Um,
1: you know, I do just, like that it is back to back.
0: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because because the schedule isn't as easy as people were making it seem at first, because the way that Oregon is built is like they are going to not win that biggest game, but they will probably beat everybody before that. And Mm -hmm. um, that was always very scary to me. And Ohio State, I just think Michigan State can't beat them this early in the Smith era. So to me, those are auto losses. And you're probably looking at five and or sorry three and two after five games at best. Um, also you have that game at BC and the, and the game against Tom Herman in week one. So, I mean, we're not going to dive into the whole schedule, but I, I think that this year's schedule is probably as hard as it would get because in a future year, like say you swap out Ohio state or Oregon for maybe a Penn state. I don't know. Like, I don't think that's any tougher. So I think right, Matt, that was the original perception is this is as easy of a schedule as you could hope in the expanded era. I don't know if I agree with that, but I don't know.
1: It's gettable. I mean, just the way that they're structured too. I mean, I, yeah. I don't know. Maybe this You're is going just to run like at how the my end. brain works, but like the first chapter, hey, the first four games, doable. The second four, terrible, awful. Like that's gonna be very hard. Right. But hey, you get Iowa at home at least. But then the last four. Right. Okay. Hey, yeah, yeah two yeah. of the three chapters look good. I don't know. Maybe that's just like how like my no, that makes sense. Works.
0: That does like make sense. The there, there, there's a run to start the season, and there's a run to end the season with momentum. That does yeah. make sense. The way I was just looking at it is, who are your three hardest opponents? Mm-hmm. And right. could you have found three harder opponents? And to me, the answer to that is no. Um, oh, no. But everything else no. there is true that you said. No, that's fair. Runs.
1: But, yeah, it's anything quick, else? Uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, th- There is. Uh, there was college yeah. football news that broke that's very relevant to Michigan State. Talia, tongue of Iola, mm. no, you will not be going back to Maryland for a 19th season. The NCAA said enough. Go get a job. So thank God, because um, going there week two, and we all know uh, early season Maryland versus late yeah. season Maryland are two very different teams. A- at least they have their 17th <laughs> year quarterback not returning. So very, yeah. very happy to hear that news this week. Thank you, NCAA, for finally doing something correct. Yeah,
0: I, I cannot it. believe that that was something that they were going to be looking at. Um yeah, I guess I should have mentioned that when I just said that he's starting three and two, but like yeah, to oh, Talia like not being part of that I, I think is is a win delightful um, delightful. And actually, no, that would be four and two. But yeah, because the game that's not listed here is the one that's still the TBD. So you could possibly oh, yeah. look at that's a win really versus it. FAU, a win at Maryland, ideally the TBD game, and then at Boston College. So you could be four four and zero oh to start the season, four and two after the two hard games. Then you get the bye before you get yeah. Iowa, Michigan, Indiana. And then a double buy, and then Illinois Purdue Rutgers. So it seems like there's a double buy donated, denoted here on the Free Press website. Um, I think so. yeah. Okay. But all right. We did not need to do a schedule preview. That's my bad. I apologize. But uh, oh, we'll, it we'll get, it get to it in August.
1: No, my, my favorite, and this happens literally every single show. Uh, this is a little peek yeah. behind the curtain to all the viewers. Like, we were wondering, hey, do you think we're going to get to over 30 minutes here? <laughs> we're, we're, we're in at number 50 right now just because we just ramble about just yeah. inane nonsense uh, at the end of the show. Oh, so, man, we
0: could out. have done four hours and 30 minutes if I started talking about NFL head coaching candidates right now <laughs> and how Bobby Sloick's scheme is just electric. <laughs>
1: division by division, just breaking yeah. it down. It would just be yeah. a bit and a half. Um am sure the six though, absolute, are still around right now. would love yeah.
0: that. The absolute goat. Defensive coordinator just low key being on the Panthers and nobody even knows. <laughs> Top two defense, but like with no time of possession help from the offense. No, no none.
1: No, defense is on the field for 51 minutes per game. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's tough. It's tough out here, those Charlotte streets, man. It's yeah. tough. All
0: yeah. right, Matt. It was excellent diving into all of these topics. Good luck to <laughs> your Lions this weekend. Thank you. Hopefully, yeah. they destroy the 49ers next week. If Jordan Love cannot do so this week. And um look oh, forward Bucks to first.
1: Bucks first. <sighs> no, it's over. It's a wrap.
0: The Bucks Matt last year's last year's Eagles team beats this year's Bucks team 52 to 7. Yeah, and, and and yeah. and last year's Eagles passing offense was garbage against <laughs> anyone that's a top 14 quarterback. They feasted on the bottom 20 uh something quarterbacks, but like they got absolutely wrecked by the... ah, whatever, I'm not going down that road. Um nah, okay. Playing. All I will say is do not let Matt Patricia convince you that Jonathan Gannon last year was any good. He was not either. And okay. with that, that does it for this good. week's episode of the sd for l show. I feel like that. And appreciate you joining, Matt. Appreciate everyone for listening. Make sure you like and subscribe, and we will see you next week.